Welcome to Season 3 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high lean on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay. Here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome to season three. Hey, welcome in to season four, episode one of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. Yes, Tom, season four. I never thought we'd make it this far. I'm half of your host team, JT, along with Tom Sims. Tom? What's up, bud? Yeah, I didn't know that we'd make it this far either, but it probably helps that we only record like four episodes a year, so yeah, it's they, not a real time <laughs> consumer. And they doubled our pay this year, so... It's really shocker there. That, hey, there was, yeah, there was that NIL incentive. <laughs> Speaking of NIL, you know, Garrett, thank goodness we got him under contract last year because, you know, as we talked about during the, the latter stages of, uh, of football that kind of bled into spring training of, for college baseball, you know, it was, it was quite obvious. And I think we did a show on March Madness maybe. The, I'm not charging, you're charging. You know, it's quite obvious he was going to be the Friday starter, which in my opinion, that's the ace. Uh, do you agree? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's either the no, Friday starter or the Sunday starter, and I think it's Friday. You try to get game one. You can't win them all, Tom, if you don't get game one. So we got him for, what, a pizza and a $20 gift card, and we're not renegotiating because he's in the catbird seat. He better not read in for another podcast and us find out about it. <laughs> yeah, we're de- we're definitely not renegotiating this contract, and we didn't have any expiration dates on it either. No, he's, he's locked in. We'll 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 yeah, we're twenty years in the future, and Garrett's still reading us in <laughs> as a as Hall he of Famer retires from the Yankees. <laughs> that's right. Oh man, well it's it's good to be uh, back. That's called milking it, sir. You know. <laughs> You and I don't talk, I guess, life and work. And I had a senior this year, and and, and, the, and you've had seniors in the past. I mean, senior year is just a, a blur slash cluster. I mean, it's something all the time, and most of it involves taking out your wallet or your checkbook and writing a check or paying for something. So we, you and I don't talk near as much as we, we probably should. But it's, man, it's good to be back. It, I will have missed this, and, and I'm excited to kick off season four. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's uh, I honestly, I just hadn't been able to keep up with not only you but even the the our job here. You know, I'm hoping to learn a little something about what's going on in the off season from you today. So uh, <laughs> we'll see how that goes. <laughs> well, before we get knee deep into football, uh, Tom, we lost a good one. What a couple months back. Been more recent than that, unfortunately. Man, what last month? Uh, Early June? Yeah, about three, three weeks ago, four weeks ago. Well, you knew uh, Matt. We're talking about Matt Rogers, who was in education. He went to college. Uh, I was in college. 
couple of years with him, not the same classes because he was he was like class of ninety in high school and I was class of ninety two. So he he was already well into his degree when I started Alabama. But this joker built up to president of what Enterprise Junior College. Yep, that's where it was at. So, but he, he uh, go ahead. Uh, you know, I, I've got one story about well, Matt, and uh, but you 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 knew him much better than I did. Well, I was just going to tell you, I, Tiffin always sends me the the summary of 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 the highlights of what. I should be prepared for, even though I'm hardly ever prepared. And and uh, I want to say thanks for even thinking about putting him on there. It means a lot to me. It's uh, we we've had a pretty difficult time with it. We, we were we were a close. We had a group of group of friends uh, that you know most of that we were pretty tight with Matt. Matt was a, a central central figure in that group for sure for a long time. And, uh, you know, I considered writing down uh, some things and, and that sort of thing. And I, I just, it was very obvious very quickly that I wasn't going to be able to do him justice. And I'm not a, I'm not a speech guy or anything like that. So I, there's not going to be something that I can say to, to get people to understand the type of person that he was. Uh, the, the just the the great human that he was, and yeah, you know, a lot of people say that about people that they miss and that, you know that pass on or or that sort of thing. But Matt was truly uh, one of those guys that you just you wanted to be around him. You know, if if he, if he was if he was around, you wanted to be there. If he invited you somewhere, you wanted to go because it was just going to be. It was just gonna be. He was gonna make you feel wonderful about yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, he always he always did. You know, he was a very much a a guy who built others up, and I think that's that's one of the reasons he was so successful in in his education uh, career. You know, he started as a as a a teacher and a, an assistant coach and worked up and and you know before long he was a head football coach at one of the largest high schools in in the state. Uh, moved on from coaching and, and became principal of the same school system, and then uh, you know got a call from the the junior college, like you said, end up being president of the junior college, and and he he worked miracles with that junior college. They were looking for someone to lead that junior college because it was sort of in a downward spot spiral. You know, it wasn't a place that people really wanted to go, and I'm telling you, he he turned that place upside down and around and just a snap of a finger is and it's because people just love to be around him i mean they wanted they wanted to go there you know just because he was there and it's one of the toughest losses if not the toughest loss that i may have had my entire life you know i've I've known matt since we were four years old (laughs) it's just uh just crazy but um Anyway, tell me tell me the story that you had going. The the stories you tell are are great about Matt, and like I said, I didn't know him as well as you did. But I remember the first weekend at uh, at college, we went to a party, and he was there, and I met him, and and he was you know about your height, about your build. I always remember he said, "Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, cuz, oh yeah, cuz." I guess cuz 
C-U-Z. That's just what I always remember about him. But, you know, we played golf at our golf outing, what, pre-COVID, I guess it was 2018 or 2019. And uh, I guess the story really is more about his buddy than him. The You know, we go to play golf on a guy's golf trip, and as you might imagine, uh, some drinks were were imbibed. And uh, dude with Matt, guy left his cell phone in the car. The guy's married. He left his cell phone in the car overnight, parked at the golf course, because, of course, we Ubered out of there or took a cab out of the out of Robert Trenton Jones. And his wife understood. Like, I was amazed that he's married to a woman that understood. You're on a guy's trip. I can't get in touch with you from 6 o'clock p.m. to the next day around 10 a.m., and I'm not going to question anything. Like, that's awesome. So, but... But Matt, and I guess to re- that's not really a good story about Matt, but it's just, like you said, th- here it is. Here he is, the president of a junior college. You know, you think of a superintendent, you think of a, even a principal of, of a large high school, but m- more, much less a president of a college. And once he took the tie, the coat and tie off, he's just one of the guys, man. He, he was so fun to be with and just, you know, cutting up. It's like... It was like he was no, he was equal with you. He did not ever look at himself as well. I'm, I'm, you know, I am president of a college. Like he would never introduce himself like that. Like we have one friend that would probably say, uh, it'd be like Stu on, um, on Hangover. Yeah, doctor. Yeah, let's don't get all fancy. I mean, if there's a medical emergency, you still need to dial nine one one. All right. Yeah. So I don't. Know, I have, uh, what. What? I, let me just say, you know, one thing that I was thinking about uh, with Matt, too, is, you know, I mentioned a while ago that we've known each other since we were four years old. Well, the reason we've known each other since we were four years old is that we, uh, you know, we started playing peewee football together at four years old. We played football together every year uh, since then until we graduated high school, and Matt actually uh punted for the university one year 1991 he was uh he was on the alabama football team he retired before the 92 season before he got mm. his ring but uh terrible uh, terrible uh, judgment on his part yeah but you you'll <laughs> you would never find a bigger bama fan and and you know one of the guys in our group todd uh ended up going to auburn uh Graduated, played. He played Lyman at Auburn. I think he was there through '93, I believe. But uh, talk about some of the text threads that we had, where Matt just giving Auburn hell. That's <laughs> he held no punches. That's the way it should be. Funny, you know, funniest guy when he's talking about football and sports. Oh my gosh, it just I would be rolling in the floor laughing, and he he just kept pouring it on, and he he knew exactly which buttons to push just just for comedic relief. You know, it yeah. was it was awesome. Well, speaking but, of Todd, I, I didn't tell you this about a month ago. I wake up to a text from Todd Boland, who he the the guy. I mean, the only reason he's in my phone is because he he FaceTimed me last year from Vegas and with the Whippets, you know, because mm-hmm. he had, we had told him about Misty's party, and he he didn't come, but we told him how good the Whippets were. So he FaceTimes me. So I saved him on my phone. So I get a message one morning from him. It's like it, all it said was, dude, we got to come to Circa next time. And it was a video of a band playing Freebird. 
That's all. That's all it was. And I mean, that's great bands everywhere in Vegas, but you know, I just, uh-huh. I just found it funny. But let's jump into uh, for those that don't know Matt Rogers, they're, they're like, "Come on, guys, let's get like we we feel bad that your friend passed." Uh, but let's get to football. So we'll get to football here. Uh, the big news is USC UCLA. It was announced, I guess, last week that they are all but going to the Big Ten. And I don't know if it's finalized yet or not, but as we saw with Texas and Oklahoma, once the leak is out there, it, there it, it's, it's a done – it's all but a done deal. And I just I, – I wrote a few things down. The main thing is Lincoln Riley, a <laughs> great decision on leaving the Big 12 – or leaving the SEC to go to the Pac-12 because now – yeah, you get to dodge Bama, Georgia, LSU, Florida, but then, now you're going to pick up Ohio State, you're going to pick up Michigan, you're going to pick up Penn State, probably at least one of those games in November on the road, so good luck with that. You know, the worst, probably the worst place to play in the SEC weather-wise is going to be Arkansas or Missouri. Other than that, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be kind of an equalizer. But yeah, that's going to be tough on them. And, and on top of that, one thing I looked at too uh, today: the shortest trip they would have to make, presumably, if they were to play Nebraska every year, is fifteen hundred miles. <laughs> Not counting UCLA, of course, but yeah, uh, yeah. fifteen hundred mile road trip for your nearest. Uh, <laughs> your nearest in-conference game out of state. And it's funny, <laughs> I, half know, I, I didn't even think about looking at that. Like, what is – what's the longest trip in the SEC? I guess um, Florida to Missouri, maybe? Yeah, yeah Florida uh, to Missouri, and that's an outlier. But, and I, but I, I bet know, that's not 1,500 miles. Probably not. They also could pull Rutgers – you would fly into New Jersey. You would literally fly coast to coast. Yeah, yeah, for, for an sure. interconference game, twenty seven hundred eighty miles from L.A. to Newark, six Man. hour flight. Think about yeah. that. Just the flight itself is six hours. Even even with you getting football treatment shuffled onto your private plane and whatever else, you still got an hour there at the airport. Hour on the other. I mean, that's a that's a full eight hour day just just to travel. Not not to mention once you get there you have to drive over to wherever Rutgers is at. Um I, that's that's crazy. That's uh, crazy. It is, I mean, it is. And you look at the NFL, when teams cross the three time zones, when they go from from mountain to eastern, like the record just plummets. Like their winning percentage just plummets. And it, it's, I'm glad that you brought that up because it brings me to my next bullet point. Uh, Jimmy Stein, you know, LJS Law, actually he's at QB underscore country now, I think, on, on Twitter. You know, he gets paid to, to do a podcast, and he's really knowledgeable. And I had, him on, uh, yeah, I had him on my radio show two years ago, Sports with JT. And he <laughs> tweeted out, he said, imagine the big noon kickoff at USC – uh, you know, that's 9 a.m. And I tweeted back at him, and I think he actually liked the tweet. If I'm USC and UCLA, I embrace the big noon kickoff at 9 a.m. at 9 a.m. California time 
because like you just said, okay, so you got Ohio State coming in. Doesn't matter what month. Weather in California is going to be, you know, 68 to 88 year-round pretty much. So weather is not a big factor like it is in the SEC in the, you know, in the early months of the season, early weeks of the season, and it's not like it is in the Big Ten with the, in the latter months of the se- latter weeks of the season when it's just freezing cold. But you, you fly in. I mean, these are still student athletes, so you're, you can't leave on Thursday. They're going to fly in Friday. You know, the flight leaves. You're gaining time going over there. So let's just say the flight leaves at noon. You get there around noon on Friday. You check into the hotel. Okay, you got a 9 o'clock kickoff. So let's just go backwards from there. A 9 a.m. kickoff. So I'm thinking you, you come out of the tunnel at, what, 8.50, 8.55? Let's just say 8.50, Okay. So how long do you think – what's the time frame do you think you get to the stadium before you run out of the tunnel? I'm thinking – I'd say two hours. Okay, two, we'll go – I was thinking two and a half, but we'll go two hours. Like, so we'll go two hours. So your, your bus arrives at the, at the arena, at the stadium, at 6.50 a.m. Okay, you got to have a team meal. So I'm going to give – got to feed 85 scholarship football players – and plus all the, the staff members. So let's just double 85. So we're going to go, what, 170 people. you got to feed 170 people. What, an hour, 15 minutes from, from the first bite to the last bite, don't you think? Let's go with an hour and 15. And let's go with yeah. an hour and a half. because that And that will include, you know, getting your stuff from your room, loading up on the buses. So 650, 550, so 5.20 is when you go, we'll just say 5, we'll say 5.30. 5.30 a.m. is when you start team meal. So you got to get up. You know, it's not like you get out of bed and two minutes later you're in the dining hall of the hotel or whatever. So your alarm, you're setting your alarm for probably 4.30. So, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and USC and UCLA, your opponent, they have the same time frame, but – they they're sleeping in not their beds. I'm sure like Alabama. I'm sure most teams like are like Alabama. You know, even when we play at home, we we rent out a hotel. But still, you're in your you're in the comfort of your city. You know, you're at your team hotel that you're used to sleeping in five, six, seven, eight times a year. I would embrace the big noon kickoff. I would request the big noon kickoff when I had Michigan or Ohio State or Penn State coming in or Wisconsin. And hope to get that, uh, like we used to call the JP eleven thirty game. I try to get that upset rolling. Mm-hmm. No, it'd be a great time for it. But you know, I, I was I was concentrating solely on distance when I was looking at that stuff. But you you raise a great point. The time zones. It's not so much from, uh, you know, east to west. But when USC travels. Uh, and, and loses three hours at Rutgers. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's a that's a shot to the system. Yeah, uh, you might as well say that you have at absolute minimum a full travel day one day ahead of the game. Like there, there, you know, a lot of schools may may be getting players out for class on Fridays anyway a lot of the time. But, I, you know, I don't think – if we're playing Ole Miss or Mississippi State, I bet our, our kids are in class on Friday mornings. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, um, we bus to those two locations. Well, I know we bus to Mississippi State, and I don't know what we do with Ole Miss. But let's like use LSU where we, where we know that we fly. We're not flying before noon, are we? I don't think we are. No, I mean, you're talking about an hour flight, too. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's up and down. I mean, it's just so quick. And 
this is this is going to be a logistical nightmare for a lot of people until they get it figured out. But even when they get it figured out, like you said, heck, the the NFL has shown that regardless of how long they've been doing it, a team suffers from yeah. from that sort of travel experience. I mean, they just do, and you're going to do it. I mean, obviously, you're going to pay if you're USC. You're you're gonna keep UCLA, of course, and you'll you'll beg and borrow for Nebraska because they're only fifteen hundred miles away. <laughs> uh, but after that, everything is gonna be two thousand to twenty five hundred miles away. Yeah, and if if you get those two teams at home. That year, that means you got six road trips, that are or or four road trips on a eight game schedule or five, however they how many ever they're gonna play. Mm-hmm. You got four or five road trips in a ten weeks period that you're you're traveling two thousand plus miles to get to the stadiums. Yeah, good luck interesting. with the, the traveling fan base. You know, I mean, it, I have yeah, always no wanted to to go, and I, I'm going to try to do this one year. It will definitely be when both my girls are out of college. But I want to one year follow Bama everywhere. I want to go mm-hmm. to every road game, and I was trying to kind of come up with a budget for it. I think you could probably average maybe a thousand dollars a week. So that's about that's a twelve thousand dollar deal, and. You might be thinking, well, you, you, there's no way you can do it for that. Well, you know, if you have at Mississippi State, that's drivable. Ticket, You can get a ticket dirt cheap. You can drive in, drive out. So, yeah, I mean, you, that weekend could be with fuel and everything. Even if you got a stadium dog, you're, what, 150 bucks, you know? Uh, <laughs> but, but it's going to make up for when you have to fly to Missouri and, and rent a, an overpriced hotel. But there's just no way that, that – fans are going to be able to follow their team. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to see this guy that's not missed a USC game in 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> His budget just quintupled. Well, you know, we a lot of people felt like when Oklahoma and Texas came to the ACC or, you know, got the got the ink dry and, and they're still, you know, the Big 12 is holding their feet to the fire, going to make them stay in conference till the end of 2024 or the end of 2025, I can't remember. Uh, some people on Twitter is like, well, this is the beginning of super conferences. I didn't really feel that way. But now I, I really think that's where we're headed. I don't see any way. There was a rumor today on Twitter that the Big 12 is trying to poach four to six teams from the Pac-12. So the Pac-12 is dead. Uh, you know, as soon as Oregon – Yeah, they're gone. Yeah, as soon as Oregon – as soon as you lose, as soon as you lose your your flagship of your states, now Oregon State doesn't matter, um, you know Arizona State doesn't matter, kind of like Auburn. Now, Auburn doesn't matter. It, Bama would it would be the straw that stirs the drink. But as soon as you lose Oregon, as soon as you lose Arizona, and as soon as you lose Utah, or maybe even before, you're you're done. You know you're done. And I it. I don't know, man. I, I liked it. We've been successful with a 12-team SEC. We've been successful with a 14-team SEC. So, yeah, as a Bama fan, I'm I'm loving that. I wish everything would stay as is. Of course, I wish Nick Saban lived forever, too. That's, neither one of those is going to happen. But I really see – I think now the whatever date it is that Texas and Oklahoma compete in the SEC, and I think it's 2025 when they can compete – 
I just I feel like it's going to be conference upheaval, and I really felt like there were I felt like the that one conference would fall apart. I thought it would be the Big Twelve. I thought it would be the Pac-12 would go to 16 teams. The SEC would stand pat at 16. Notre Dame would be forced to join a conference. We'll talk about that in just a second. I figured the Big Ten would go to 16. I, I figured it'd be 16. There's 64 teams uh, in, in four 16-team leagues, and and I figured the ACC would hold it together. But now they're talking about just two leagues, like NFC, AFC, in the NFL. I think so. that, yeah, I think that's where you're going. I, you have to at this point because you the. The Pac-12 just did exactly what the Big 12 did. The, their two mainstay, big-name programs, and there's an arguable difference there between UCLA and Texas, but uh, but traditionally, particularly in, in, in if you throw basketball in there too, oh, but yeah. USC and, and UCLA, the two biggest squads in that league, gone. Texas, Oklahoma, two biggest squads in that league, gone. Now... As soon as that happened, as soon as that happened in both leagues, we talked about either imploding or being relegated to a second tier, you know, a G5, uh, for instance. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, I think the Big 12's misstepping, in my opinion. They are, they are trying to make quick moves to, you know, prop up their conference, keep teams in it, of course. And this is not the worst move. Now, when I say they were a little bit quick, if they would have waited, would they have rather had Arizona, Oregon, Utah, and Colorado? Or would they rather have UCF, Houston, who are the other two that they let in? Uh, Cincinnati? Possibly, yeah, it sounds right. Do, do, do you see the disparity yeah. in those schools? Yeah. Uh, and, and that was just them being quick to the draw. And now they're going to have a bunch of small university-type programs coupled with, I mean, believe it or not, Colorado was once a powerhouse in college football. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, you know, the, and, and Oregon has been there. Uh, there's, some, there's some talent gaps even amongst the teams they're bringing in and i'm not sure they're all going to find equitable distribution of 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 what they're actually looking for my guess here is is that there will be some invitations i don't know if they can rescind an invitation but i think some schools may think twice about actually joining a big 12 I mean, what's the advantage of joining a conference that has Troy in it and Tennessee? Yeah, that—that's the kind. You know, that's what you're getting there. Um, so I, I think, I think two is where it's going. I think two is what it probably should be based on. The, the only reservation that I have for two was the same thing that you were talking about when you were talking about four. It was more geographically inclined. But if USC and UCLA are going to play in the Big Ten, you just toss all that out the window. Yeah, Those yeah, are the sure. only outliers. And you and, know who I hadn't heard a peep out of? Washington or Washington State? Not a peep. Yeah, no. Yeah, that was another. That was the other flagship. You know, Washington. And so we agree that that the SEC poached the two biggest names in the Big Twelve. What last, was it? Last year? I guess it was last yep. year. 
Well, and then, year before last, because they played this past year under the guise of knowing they were leaving. Okay, and then um, and then now, arguably, they have uh, the Big Ten has poached the top two teams out of the Pac-12. USC definitely. I can see where Oregon fans would be like, "Wait a minute, wait a minute." You know, we're better than UCLA, but UCLA's got the clout. I mean, like you said, it's not just about football, basketball championships, baseball championships. So if you're so who, now the question is, so four conferences have been affected: Pac-12 married to the Big Ten, Big Twelve married to the ACC. So if you're the ACC, if you're the big teams in the ACC. And we'll have to include New Money, Dabo, Clemson. And then who's the next best team? Florida State, historically, in the last – it'd be Florida State or Miami. Historically, yeah, Yeah. historically, those two. So let's just use use Florida State and Clemson. What do you do if you're them? Do you try to poach teams and bolster the the ACC? Or do you know, do you – do you are you like, hey, you know what? We're we're two of the top teams. If we get an offer from the Big Ten or the ACC, we need to go. Like they're in a quandary right now. They are. Not only are they in a quandary, I bet they're pretty miff too. Because last year, I, I think you're right. I think it was like it was before the season started last year when we got Oklahoma and Texas. So it's not been much over a year, but. Uh, but when all that happened, if you remember, everybody was so mad about it in the other conferences that the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Pac-12 formed a loose alliance. An alliance, if you remember. So, A gentleman's right. agreement, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> they should have got that on paper because don't you know that the ACC feels slighted right now when the Pac-12 schools are going to the Big Ten after having this alliance and thought they were protecting themselves from poaching. I mean, that was the whole thing. We need to protect ourselves from poaching, and we need to be able to vote collectively to make sure that this doesn't happen in the future. And then within your own alliance, two teams have gotten ripped, ripped right out of their conference. So... Yeah, yeah. If I if I'm the ACC, if I'm if I'm a school with any kind of clout, which you've named them, any of those three would be on there. I think even Virginia Tech has some some clout where people would look at them. You know, yeah. if if somebody would look at me as a candidate, I'd want to tie my rope to a a, a sturdy ship right now. That's just yeah. me. And so we're going to talk about, I touched on it, we'll go ahead and talk about Notre Dame. I think it was Cole Kublik tweeted out, has Notre Dame ever been in a more powerful position in football? And, I, I mean, I, I respect Cole. I think he's very fair. He's a barner, of course. He's, he, he's, he's of the Todd Boland ilk, if you will. <laughs> but I respect Cole Kublik. I feel like he's a straight shooter. He's 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 fair to Bama, and that's all you can ask a, an Auburn grad to be because we know who he's forced. That's it's the way it should be. I don't I don't see I don't agree with that tweet. How is Notre Dame in in a power position a position of power? Excuse me. I I see that the SEC and the Big Ten are going to do whatever they want to do. Yeah, I think and, I think Notre Dame's in a worse position now. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, I think they with, have with to... all the conferences. It, yeah, if all the other conferences are going to fold and go away, and they're going to re- the NCAA, if that exists, is going to have to force 
a realignment of how uh, playoffs are determined and and who who gets in and and all that jazz. And they are in no no position anymore to dictate their seat at the table just by staying independent. And their scheduling is going to take a huge hit as well. Uh, yeah, so yeah. I, yeah I, I, I think they're in a worse position now. Uh, I know what Cole's thinking. He's, he's, he's going, well, uh, they can pick where they want to go, but his thinking is still in line with us is that they got to go somewhere. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, we – the conferences, if you remember, the Big 12 met, trying to hold the Big 12 together. And I, didn't they offer Texas like, and Texas and Oklahoma like, hey, we're going to give you a share plus a share of, of the revenue that comes in. And, you know, the SEC is like, when we brought Texas Oklahoma in, you know, I, I could see Texas saying, well, hey, you know, uh, the Big 12 offered us a share plus a share. What are you going to offer us? And we would say, yeah, we have 16 teams and we have a conference office we're going to offer you one seventeenth of the pie like we offer everybody. Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame, I don't know what happens to their TV contract with NBC. It'd be interesting to see when, when does that expire. Uh, and I don't know if you can – I don't know the, all the legalities of if, if, the, if Notre Dame said, hey, we're joining the ACC right now, can they keep their TV network, which is NBC? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that question. Don't really care to know. Notre Dame is irrelevant. They are going to remain irrelevant, in my opinion. I just, I, I'm glad though that they're going to have to join, and I don't, I don't see any way they can keep their private uh, network NBC. So you know they're going to be missing out on some money because, and, and you know when when we go to a, when we go to a BCS bowl, BCS, if we go to the the playoffs, the CFP, you know, let's just say it's it's seventeen million dollars. Well, we get one. We get one share. We get one point seven million dollars. Notre Dame goes to the CFP. They get seventeen million dollars. They don't have to split it with anybody. So I I don't see where they're in a stronger position at all. And yes, they can decide where they're going to go. Uh, there's a few. There's very few schools that can say Alabama right now could say ACC. We want to join. They would welcome us with open arms. Texas could do it. Texas did do it. I think USC is in that category. Um, Notre Dame is in that category. Clemson, maybe Ohio State, Michigan—they're in that category. But it's not—it's not more than a handful of schools that can say, "Hey, we're coming," and the other party's like, "Yeah, yeah, come on, we'll, we'll take you." So that—that's yeah, the only. There's not more than ten or twelve of those schools. No. I mean, Auburn is not in that category. Mississippi State is not in that category. Uh, South Carolina is not in that category. So outside of being able to say, you know what, we're, we're really feeling Big Ten instead of ACC or ACC, that's the only, the only po- uh, position of power that I can see at all. Yeah. Irrelevant, really. Yep. Uh, that's the way I like it, the way I like Notre Dame to be. All right, so the next topic is wish, and I hope I was clear on this because I kind of did a beta test with with a salesman of mine, and I said, uh, I said his name is David. I said, David, if you could have one wish for the upcoming season, and it cannot be a trophy of any kind, so it can't be that hey, I want you know I want Will Anderson to win the Heisman Trophy, I want Bryce Young to go back to back with the Heisman, I want uh, you know the uh, 
our top running back to win the Doak Walker. It can't be anything like that. I said, what would you choose? He said, I, I, I'd want the whole roster to remain healthy the entire season. I'm like, yeah, that's you've missed the you missed the point here, bro. It's like we got to narrow it down. So, I, I, if you granted me one wish, and I'll let you go first, I don't care because my mine's not going to change based on what you say. But if you could have one wish, and it can be a win. I did clarify, it can be a win. So if you're like, you know what, I want to beat Tennessee worse than anything that can happen. I don't care if we lose three running backs and four linebackers and two defensive backs, as long as we beat Tennessee. That can be your wish. I'm not going to judge you. That can be it. So all the lead up to that, Tom, what is your one wish that you wish would happen in the 2022 season? I treat these like everything you tell me. I had written down two wishes. Oh, gosh. Pick a side, Lou. Actually, actually, it was a an or. It was a, I'd take either one of them because they're both in the sort of the same category. But uh, my wish for this season would be for our defense to give up less than fifteen points per game. Okay, that's you that's know, a been, viable. Yeah, that's good. It's been five years since we've been under eighteen points per game. In 2011, that's... we had 7.7. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. That was, that's what we give up. Uh, and you know who's been in that? If you can get in that 12 to 14 range or below, you're elite and, and you have a chance to, to win it. And, and that's where, and believe it or not, that's where Georgia's been the last two or three years. The year that we beat them in the national championship game, I think, was one of their better defensive efforts of the year. I mean, that mm-hmm. was they were they were hard to handle, and they've been hard to handle, particularly on the defensive line. But, um, but but yeah, I, I think if we could get back to, and I thought we were there last year. If you if if anybody listened to this podcast, we know there's one guy that does, but. Uh, Last year, before the season started, I was really hyping up our defense. I thought we had a chance to be that kind of defense last year, and it never worked out. It turned uh, out I mean, it was still, Georgia that had that the kind of defense. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Um, but but my or wish was either 15 points per game total defense, or I would trade that in for six-plus defensive scores on the season. Uh, okay. Both of those are defensive metrics. I mean, I just think our offense should be so good that I need to use my wishes wisely, and that's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. Well, I too went with defense, and and this is what made me think of it because Eli and I work, talk a lot of uh, football leading up, especially the talk will wrap up, you know, for sure. We have a triplicate calendar hanging on uh, out out front so we can kind of, you know, see who's going to be off. And, and you can – it's a 90-day th- glance. So the top calendar is always the month you're in. So right now the top calendar is July. And then the next calendar below it is, of course, August. And then the next calendar is September. And when we when we go to ripping off, you know, in, when, when a May – hell of a system. Do what now? That's a hell of a system. It is. It's great. There. It works. It works for us. <laughs> but you know, when we went from June to July, then the bottom calendar is football season. Like that is such a good feeling. But for, mm-hmm. for weeks, I have said, you know, if Will Anderson and here's my wish, 
if I had one wish of the year, I just wish Will Anderson would remain injury-free. Not the entire team there, David Tate, just one player. Like, I would like to see Will Anderson be able to play 100% of the snaps that he should be eligible to play. You know, of course, we're not going to have him up in there when we're up 41 to nothing or whatever. But, you know, it just seems like that we have bad injury luck, especially it's always one position group, and lately it's been the linebackers. And that's my wish. I, I just I really feel like if Will Anderson remains injury free throughout the year, I don't see us losing more than one. I don't really see a loss on our on our schedule uh, with what we have. You know, we we dodge um, Georgia, which would definitely be we would be at risk. We get A and M at home after the loss last year and the kerfluffle, if you will, from uh, Saban and Jimbo. I just I really that's going to be a night game. There's no no doubt about it. So. Tom, you're going to need to start working on some box tickets for that one. But <laughs> it, it's, it is funny that both of us went defense. and Because I'm like you, even though our running game wasn't fantastic last year, we did uh, – B-Rob really, you know, made a believer out of me last year and he's gone. But, man, that Jameer Gibbs we've got, we've got a couple returning from injury. Our wide receivers, yeah, we lost Mechie and, um, and Jamo, but we have we – have, Young talent coming back and an influx of true freshmen that should be able to uh, to contribute, and we got the Heisman Trophy winner. Like I just don't, I'm not too worried about the offense, and uh, not that I'm worried about the defense, but I just I feel like that if Will Anderson stays healthy with his leadership and his play on the field, I just I don't know that we lose a game next year till we get to Atlanta, and then you know who knows. But like we've said. If Bama finishes with one loss at, at the end of uh, at the end of championship weekend, if we are twelve and one, doesn't matter when the loss comes, doesn't matter how how bad the loss is, we're in the playoffs because that's just the that's the yeah. Nick Saban bump we get. You know, Clemson is there with Dabo, and I figure Kirby's there with Georgia. You know, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt at twelve and one. Mm-hmm. No, it's hard to argue with that. With uh, particularly with uh, the history that's went on the last several years and. I, you know, it's unfortunate the way it worked out last year, but that's, uh, what was that? That's, that was in just the, I'm just trying to think, in just the uh, playoff error. Oh, no, no. I was thinking LSU was, uh, I was thinking LSU was a playoff error, but that was a. 2011. That was the. Uh, yeah, that was yeah. that was pretty. I was, I was trying to think of how many SEC matchups there were. I mean, there've been two, but yeah. that would have been that would have been a third one in like you know in the championship game. I mean, that's that's typically, particularly in the playoff era, you're you're lucky to get. I say you're lucky. The SEC's pretty been pretty consistent having their champion in the in the playoffs, but to get two in is that's that's really saying something. Uh, because you've got to convince a lot of people who don't like the SEC that the two best teams are in the SEC. Yeah. <laughs> Danny so, Cannell frowns in your general direction. He does. But <laughs> if he'd had a vote in that room, he'd have had to suck it up buttercup and still oh, vote for the second yeah. SEC team. Absolutely. I wish, he'd have kicked, I wish he'd kicked Georgia out last year. Though. Yeah, that'd been nice. Been nice. <laughs> All right, so the last bullet point we have is the NIL updates, and, and we're going to discuss thoughts on collectives, and you might know more about collectives than I do. But we talked about the the spat that Saban and Kirby had, not Saban and Kirby, Saban and Jimbo had 
uh, what month and a half, two months ago, whatever, and the A and M bought their class, and and they did. I mean, I really felt like that. I really felt like that when name in name, image, and likeness came to be legal. I felt like okay, they're gonna have jerseys at the soup store. That's the the Alabama store, S U P E soup store, on campus. You know. Bama, for some reason, we, there's only a certain amount of numbers you can get on a consistent basis. You can always get a two, you can always get a seven, you can always get a 12. Uh, 54, you'll see 54 a lot, you'll see 97, you'll see 55, uh, 22. You know, just because a lot of famous people have worn number two. A lot of famous people have worn 12 and seven. I figured that all, now the NIL is legal, okay, number 63 um, Womack, the offensive lineman from Katy, Texas, you can buy his jersey now. It'll have Womack on the back. It'll have 63 on it, and it's a $100 jersey, and he gets 5% of that. So for every jersey he sells, it's $5. I thought that's what NIL was going to be. I thought Bryce Young could go down to University Mall and sign autographs for an hour and make $20 a pop. And, I, boy, was I wrong. They've got these collectives now, and that's what A&M has done is they just pump money into, I guess it's a nonprofit, and like Texas, if you co- if you go play Texas, go play at Texas, you get fifty thousand dollars if you're an offensive lineman. Uh, uh, so, uh, I guess a year, fifty thousand a year. Well, four years, that's two hundred thousand dollars. You know, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I, I'm disappointed, and it has nil has really. It has waned my interest. I still love college football. I always will love college football. But, I mean, it kind of sucks with the NIL now. And, and you're, you lose out on recruits that you should get. And you know that they're going somewhere just because of the money. And now with the, the conference upheaval, it's just not the same. Dude, it's not even the same as it was three years ago. So, But the good news is, is Bama, we have a collective. <laughs> That we're going, and if you don't think Nick Saban is going to compete in this atmosphere, uh, he's going to compete. And to me, when he said A and M bought their class, I think that was another one of his warnings. Like, look, if you don't want to get a hold of this, uh, Greg Sankey or the powers that be, that's fine. But listen, Bamba is going to have a collective, and we might not have oil money, but we got a, a bunch of enough rednecks that will sink every last penny in the program to see Alabama beat Auburn. So we'll be just fine. But I know, I know that um, that Hooked on Bama covered this, and but it's a great. I, I'm not going to steal their information, but it's a great point that they brought up. Is so you're paying to get the signatures, okay? And so I went and looked at, at the highest rated busts in the last few years of, of recruiting. And it's it's two the first one I'm gonna go over is a Bama player, an offensive lineman. And I mean it's not a bust, he's only in his second year, but he's a five star kid. He was number six overall in the country, is Tommy Brockermeyer, okay. In 2020, Eric Gilbert was the number five overall player. He signed with LSU. He played one year. He flaked out. He went to Georgia. Didn't even play last year. In 2019, Antonio Alfano, defensive player out of New Jersey, number five overall in the nation, signed with Bama. He's on his third school. Uh, Justin Fields in 18, number two player in the country, signed with Georgia, played a little bit at Georgia, got mad, and transferred to Ohio State. My point is this. I could keep going down the list. 
my point is this, is the, the collective and the NIL is in such an infant stage right now. So Coach Saban comes to you and says, hey, man, we got to have this. Uh, we got to have Antonio Alfano from New Jersey. He's number five player in the country. We really need him. It's going to cost $500,000 to get him. Can, can we do this? And you say, yeah, sure. Well, then he flakes out. He never plays a game for Alabama. What are, what is what are you going to say? What's the person that ponied up the five hundred grand? What's he going to say when you come to him two years later and said, "Hey, man, we got to have uh, you know James James Costanza out of Texas, a defensive back. It's going to take five hundred thousand dollars." Like, there's got to be an end to just the unlimited money pumped into programs where you might not even see results on the field. Yeah, it, it's an interesting concept that's going to have to work itself out over time. But honestly, all we're, all we're working ourselves towards is an NFL, a complete NFL model. If you're going to start paying players to come to your school, then they shouldn't have the opportunity to take your money and then transfer to your rival school for, yeah. for a little bit more money. The NFL doesn't allow you to do that, and you've got to be able to stop that. Uh, you've got to be able to, and this is why the Super Conference is coming, but you've got to be able to, in my opinion, limit the amount of money. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody, oh, it's a free market, open market, the school's making all this money and blah, blah, blah. For this to have any realistic chance of working i really think you have to implement a salary cap just the nfl i mean that's yeah. they do that for competitive reasons that's the same thing that needs to happen here uh say a salary cap does the nfl have a salary cap anymore uh i mean i think so yeah yeah you, you yeah you can't pay unlimited because if you could uh, you'd have the the New York Yankees in football, you know. Yeah, I always I I I, I keep forgetting to follow all the uh, major or the, all the professional clubs, and I can't remember all the rules. But well, I know uh, in baseball, but, but it, the, the, baseball has a cap, but you can go over the cap. You just got to pay a luxury tax. Which, if if I'm Alabama, if we win a national championship because we're over the cap, that's fine. Tell me what. Tell me who to send the check to to help pay the luxury tax. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and, and, and that's all fine and good, and, and we do have some willing participants in this state, some willing folks that, that live down the street that uh, do not live in $50 million mansions, but they're more than happy to part with a few bucks to help the beloved football team. That exists, and it probably exists on a per capita basis higher than most anywhere in the country, mm -hmm. it, it would be my guess. But from a simple dollar figure from the alumni base, uh, from you know whatever corporations that support the schools, we're not going to be in the top 10, I don't think. No. Uh, we'd be in the top 20 for sure. Uh, I, I, believe, I mean, the, the university generates a ton of money, but when you start talking about the just simply the alumni base of a uh, USC. I mean, how many, how we have just now got to 40,000 students mm -hmm. in the last five years. And that's going to take some time for those students to become alumni and actually 
actually make money and be willing to give back to the university. That 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 does not pay off now. That pays off in the future. But how long? How many years has Ohio State had sixty thousand students? Oh no. Yeah. How many years has Michigan had that many? USC, UCLA, Texas. Uh, these teams have these huge Notre Dame. These huge alumni bases just from a. a, a just from a math perspective, more people equals more money and the more likelihood of some of those people have absurd money. And so from that standpoint, it's tough to simply buy your team. But you have to recognize talent. You have to recognize who you're playing for. I mean, that's still... How much does it mean to the kid... If he can get a hundred thousand and play for Nick Saban, or he can get a hundred and twenty-five thousand and play for Sam Pittman. Yeah, no, I mean, that that's gonna that's gonna factor in a lot. I mean, it's gonna have to be a, a pretty eye-dropping amount to not go to where your heart is. I think so, but but that that is a free market society that will balance itself out over time and and. It's still too early to know the answer to those questions. Just like what you were saying, you know, how do you how do you figure out when to stop pumping raw funds in there just because the coach asked for it? Yeah. You yeah. you you want to see a return on your money or you're gonna quit pumping that money in there. Or the the worst case of that, you want some input on which player he selects with your money. Yeah, for sure. Can you imagine can you imagine Nick Saban having that conversation with a booster? Says, yeah, yeah, I really, I really don't like that Bryce Young kid. I've, I've seen this little kid called Bo Nix. <laughs> I really want to go after. <laughs> you know, and I think, and I'll kind of wrap up NIL. Uh, you're not going to believe, believe this time, but we're getting short on time. One thing, though, that irritates me to no end is I love how NIL is here, and all of a sudden – the cost of uh, the value of a college scholarship, a full ride, has just been diminished. They act like that a free mm-hmm. education means nothing now. Dude, I'm about to send my daughter to college. You've got two at Auburn, you, and one of them used to go to Bama. You know the checks that, we're, that I'm about to write, and you're still writing them you know, to the, the University of Auburn. I mean, I would love if my daughter got a full ride, an, a full athletic scholarship. Like, it has value. You know, oh, yeah. and now all of a Jeez. sudden NIL, they're like, oh, well, you know, that was always my that was always my argument of why you shouldn't pay players because they get free rides. They they get to register for classes first. They get all the classes they want. Like my daughter is having to take a Tuesday night class, you know, five to eight. And mm-hmm. if she played football, she would not have to have that class. You know, they would they would get her a an eight, a nine or ten or eleven o'clock class and she'd be done. You know, she'd be finished every day at lunch, one o'clock at the worst, they eat at the training table. They have world-class medical facilities if they get injured. They have access to all kinds of things that the average student doesn't get. And now all of a sudden the NIL is here. Those things are worthless in a lot of people's eyes. And it's a bunch of bunk. Mm-hmm. No, there's, there's, there's still huge value there. And it will continue to be there for... I guess the people that that want to use it, but I, I just this money is going to change a lot of players. It's yeah. just heck, it's already changed me, and I don't even play. 
<laughs> All right. Well, I think that that kind of wraps it up. Not a, not a bad first um, first podcast, but I'm sure our faithful listeners will text me and ask me if I could say uh or um even more because you know, we got to hit our midseason stride, Tom. And we're we're very early in the year, so um, working on it. Yeah, we will. Uh, I don't know when we'll put the next podcast out. We wanted to talk about some things. And we'll definitely, we're going to break down the East in one podcast. We'll break down the West. I'm sure we'll look at the landscape. And, of course, we know before the season starts, we will give our national championship predictions. And and when we give our predictions, you can almost just not even play the season. We're we're so accurate with that. Yeah, we were all over it last year. I think I did have Georgia winning, didn't I? And I had Ohio State. You had Bama. So we we were close. Yeah. We were close. I had Bama and Georgia in the championship game, though. Yeah. yeah I had it flip-flopped. Game. I had us losing the SEC game and winning the, the title game. Yeah, you didn't have the Tex-Ags beating us at, at um, College Station, and I didn't either. So maybe I think we'll avenge that loss. We'll talk about all that in the future. Tom, good to be back, and uh, I will get you the new music. So hopefully by the next time we go season uh, 4-2 we will have the new music but we're going to have the same lead guy Tom as always if you're going to hate Auburn you have to hate early and hate often roll time take it easy guys have you seen Junior's grades?